And now, coming to you from an undisclosed location. It's the Novus Ordo Watch Trapcast. You've got to be kidding. You can't make the stuff up. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Francis is just priceless. Yeah, we, we call him Chaos Frank for a reason. In case you haven't heard about it yet, this is crazier than even we would have ever imagined. Welcome, by the way, it's Tratcast number five. There are no words anymore to describe this guy who calls himself the Pope of the Catholic Church. At this point, we're clearly in the Twilight Zone. Yep. The Twilight Zone is now here. What happened, you ask? Francis recorded a video message listed on the Vatican website as a pontifical message, by the way, which he sent to a Protestant-led ecumenical gathering of the John 17 movement held in Phoenix, Arizona on May 23rd. And this time, not only did he preach heresy, that wouldn't nearly be as newsworthy as this is, this time he prefaced his remarks with the words, this may be a heresy, I don't know. The Pope means exactly what he says. Yeah, hard hard to believe. We're at the point now where the supposed vicar of Christ, who is really the vicar of Judas, where Jorge Bergoglio, Pope Francis, himself labels his own teaching, perhaps heretical. And of course, what happens in the Novus Ordo Church, the whole thing either gets ignored or it gets downplayed or excused, uh, whatever. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute. Right now, let's listen to Francis's own words in the original Spanish. Now, in case this was a little difficult to understand, I'm going to read it to you in Spanish, and then we'll look at the English translation. Francis said, quote, Y me viene a la mente decir algo que puede ser una insensatez, o quizás una herejía, no sé. When this story first broke, the original Spanish was not available yet, and so we had to rely on a translation provided by Vatican Radio, which was fairly good but not quite correct. Here's how Vatican Radio rendered this Spanish 
sentence that we just heard from Francis. Quote, I feel like saying something that may sound controversial or even heretical, perhaps. Unquote. Now, if that were what he had said, then that would be bad enough, obviously. But even that was not quite correct. Once the Spanish original was released, we consulted with a competent translator to render it accurately. Here is what Francis actually said in English. Quote, And it comes to my mind to say something that may be foolish or perhaps a heresy. I don't know. Unquote. The Pope means exactly what he says. Yeah, so here we have it. Francis himself is now labeling his own stuff perhaps a heresy. Now, he says he doesn't know, okay? Well, gee, why does he not know? If he's the Pope of the Catholic Church, then it's his job to know, okay? It's his more than anyone else's job to know whether what he teaches, what he says, contains heresy or not. And, we might add, no one would have an easier time than him to find out if it is heretical or not. He doesn't even have to look it up himself. He can simply call one of his lackeys and uh, have somebody at the so-called Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith check into it and get back to him with an answer within a very short amount of time. There is absolutely no excuse, okay? And that's if we, if we assume for the sake of argument that when he says, I don't know, that he's even speaking the truth. Let's just assume that because, well, he has no excuse. You know, a lot of people tend to think that whenever there is ignorance, whenever somebody doesn't know, then there is no culpability. There's no guilt. But that is not at all the case. There are some cases, of course, in which... One's ignorance is truly not one's fault, but this ignorance is 100% culpable. Why? Because it is his duty to know, like we just said, his more than anyone else's, and he has every means at his disposal to know the truth. He simply chooses not to bother. And this is really the main point. He does not care if what he says is heretical or not. He will hold it either way. Whether it be heretical or not, that is his teaching. And this is what establishes pertinacity here, even in the external forum, okay? Obviously, he could find out if he wanted to, but he doesn't care. It's, it's totally absurd to teach a point of doctrine not knowing whether it is the gospel truth or whether it is the very opposite poisonous heresy, not even just error, but heresy for a man who supposedly is the Pope of the Catholic Church. This is a gigantic outrage. It is an absolute scandal. Who in the Novus Ordo Church is outraged? Well, no one, of course. Well, I mean, there are, of course, some, you know, among the, the lay faithful, but uh, as far as we have not heard a single bishop, we have not heard uh, a single cardinal, a priest, no one has expressed any outrage over this, not even the Society of St. Pius X. 
supposedly they're the great bulwark of orthodoxy in the new church, and of course that's a whole other matter. We've we've bashed them uh, many times on Novus Ordo Watch uh, as well as prior Tradcast, so we'll leave that aside for right now. But not even the Society of St. Pius X, Bishop Fillet, I don't know about the uh, the, 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 the people that uh, used to be in the Society of St. Pius X and now have now established this breakaway group, I don't know if they have said anything on it, but... As far as the official society of Sympathies the tenth goes, just just crickets. I mean, absolutely nothing. And um, we'll have to see. I mean, this this story was not reported very widely. Interestingly enough, Vatican Radio uh, had it. Uh, the Zenith had it. Uh, but uh, there were there were. This is not something that you could uh, easily find. I we have yet to see. A story on this from the, the the you know other main Novus Ordo publications. Now, of course, it was totally ignored by uh, Michael Voris and his uh, church militant crew. We like to call him Church Disneyland, and this is one of the reasons why they will only give you the news that actually fits their agenda. Pope Francis talks like a pope, like the successor to Saint Peter. Yeah, I don't think we've heard that one in a while. Now, if so-called Cardinal Dolan of New York had said this. You know Michael Voris would have been all over it. But it wasn't said by Timothy Dolan. It was said by Pope Francis. Tradcast. Now, a lot of people, unfortunately, do not understand the seriousness of something like this. So let's, let's try to illustrate this with an analogy. Think of it this way. Imagine you were to go to a doctor to seek a cure for a particularly frightening disease, and the doctor says to you, here, drink this. I'm not exactly sure if this is a healthful remedy that will cure your disease or whether it's poison and it'll kill you. I'm not sure, but just go ahead and drink it. What would you say to a doctor like that? Would you go to this kind of a doctor? And if you wouldn't do this because you are concerned about the health of your body, how much more serious is this, what Francis did, because it pertains to the health of the soul. This is a matter impacting somebody's eternal salvation or lack thereof, that is, eternal damnation. That's how serious the stuff is. And Francis says, oh, I don't know if this is heresy or not, but I'll say it anyway. And in this, we see just how bad-willed he is. Again, he could have easily found out if this is heresy or not. And in fact, he has more than anyone else a duty to do so. But why didn't he find out? Because he doesn't care. He will teach what he will teach, the truth be damned. Now, what is the it that is perhaps a heresy? Well, it's essentially all this ecumenism of blood nonsense that he's been uh going on and on about for, I don't know, at least a year now, I think. And uh, he says the following in, in that video, and I'm quoting from the Vatican Radio translation. Quote, But there is someone who knows that despite our differences, we are one. It is he who is persecuting us. It is he who is persecuting Christians today who is anointing us with the blood of martyrdom. He knows that Christians are disciples of Christ, that they are one, that they are brothers. He doesn't care if they are evangelicals or orthodox, Lutherans, Catholics, or apostolic. He doesn't care. They are Christians, and that blood of martyrdom unites 
Today, dear brothers and sisters, we are living an ecumenism of blood. This must encourage us to do what we are doing today, to pray, to dialogue together, to shorten the distance between us, to strengthen our bonds of brotherhood. Unquote. Bam! There goes yet another pope being all Catholic and all that. Now, we're going to post a link to our original blog post as well as the two follow-ups that we have that will give you all of the links and the citations and everything you need to look up all the stuff for yourself, okay? We're not going to spend any time now refuting his ecumenism of blood heresy. We have done that before, and that will also be included uh, in the links. The Council of Florence was very explicit that even if somebody should suffer martyrdom for our Lord Jesus Christ, if he does so outside the Catholic Church, he will not be saved, okay? And that is an infallible teaching of the Council of Florence in the 15th century. The point we want to focus on in this podcast is the fact that Francis himself has admitted that this could be heresy, and he has made clear that if it is, he does not care. All right, that is the big story here. Not that, oh, well, he's uttered yet another heresy. That wouldn't be nearly as much news as the fact that he himself has now used the H word, heresy, to refer to his own claptrap. Okay, now it is very interesting that, you know, all the people that always uh, talk about how somebody would have to declare that it's heresy or that or that he's a heretic or whatever those people now have a declaration by himself not that it is heresy but that it could be but you see pertinacity is established either way because he's obviously indifferent to the fact to whether it is heresy or not okay and that is the scandal that is one of the scandals and you would think that some Novus Ordo big shot apologist would have the decency to at least say that what Francis said here was a scandal, that it is an outrage for a pope, well, such they believe him to be, to sit there and address Protestants, not only Protestants, but for the most part, and tell them that what he's about to teach them could be a heresy. That by itself is beyond outrageous. Not surprisingly, the first big shot apologist that at least we know about who rushed to the scene to clean up Francis's mess here was Jimmy Aiken. You know, Mr. Eight Things to Know and Share. That guy. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? Well, he tried to tell his readers that not only is what Francis said, not heresy, but that even for him to say that it could be heresy was just, uh, you see, hyperbole. You know, he really didn't mean it. He was just trying to underscore a point. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, in order to underscore a point, I've never said, gee, this might be heretical. Who knows? You know, it, it really doesn't help your case a whole lot. I mean, one thing is, is sure, you will get people's attention. That is correct. 
But to say you're trying to emphasize what you're saying by pointing out that it could be a denial of God's revealed truth is probably not the kind of attention you want to get, okay? But, of course, in, in, in the case of Jimmy Akin, he's simply a paid apologist who needs to defend his client, Jorge Bergoglio, no matter what. You know, the fact that he couldn't even agree or, or concede that for a supposed pope to say that what he says might be heretical, that really says all you need to know. Because it is obviously a scandal. And here we are using the word scandal in its proper sense in Catholic moral theology. Scandal is any word or deed that either is evil or has the appearance of evil and has the potential to lead another into spiritual ruin, regardless of whether that other person is actually led to commit a mortal sin or even a venial sin. A scandal can be both mortal uh, and venial depending on the circumstances, depending on the gravity of the sin that is being occasioned. But it is definitely a scandal, even if, for the sake of argument, we say that, that Francis's ecumenism of blood is not heretical. The fact that it has the appearance of heresy and this he has clearly conceded by saying that it is perhaps a heresy, that alone is sufficient to cause scandal, okay? Grave harm to souls is being occasioned here, even if it is not actually evil, but only has the appearance of evil. So that suffices, and that alone is enough for everyone who considers himself a Catholic to denounce that. But of course, you're never going to get that from Jimmy Akin or Catholic Answers or all those, you know, whatever, Tim Haynes and uh, Patrick Madrid and, and all, these, uh, all these people. By the way, I think it's very revealing that in this matter, Jimmy Akin did not say, oh, let's go back to the, to the original words by Francis. Maybe, maybe there's an error in the translation somewhere. Oh, no, he didn't bother to do that. You know, usually this is the kind of thing he does, right? If somebody says, oh, look, Francis said something outrageous or heretical over here, or he's giving scandal over there, then usually one of the first things that Novus Ordo apologists do is say, oh, well, this was translated wrong. But in this case, even though the, the official translation given by Vatican Radio is somewhat flawed, nevertheless, the original is actually a lot worse because the translation that was provided by Vatican Radio has him saying that what he is about to say may sound heretical, whereas what he actually said is that it may be heretical. So maybe it's not surprising after all that Jimmy Aiken didn't bother to go back to the original text. But think about how serious this is. We're talking about matters of doctrine. We're talking about matters of the true faith. We're talking about the eternal salvation of souls. We're talking about the true teaching of Christ for which the apostles died very cruel deaths and for which countless martyrs over two millennia have died terrible deaths. All right? And all of this is now uh, basically up for grabs. It's the god of surprises in the Vatican.
Such absolute nonsense. Like we were saying earlier, it's the Twilight Zone. In fact, actually, the Twilight Zone is reality TV compared to this stuff. So, by way of summary, after more than two years of Jorge Bergoglio as Pope Francis, we have someone who has made clear that he is not concerned about orthodoxy in the church, that he does not care if cardinals complain that his favorite theologian, Cardinal Walter Casper, is a heretic, that he does not believe in a Catholic God, that he believes the Blessed Virgin Mary might have blasphemed at Calvary, that the souls in hell do not suffer eternal punishment but are instead annihilated, that he does not care if a child is raised Catholic or any other religion, as long as he has enough to eat, that the Jews have their own valid covenant with God, that they are still the chosen people, that Muslims can find hope and solace in the Koran and in their faith, that the observance of the Muslim Ramadan can bring abundant spiritual fruit, and that's a quote, that faith without charity is not a true faith, that all who profess belief in Christ are united in a common martyrdom that renders them one, and so on. And now, this bold heretic even himself admits that his teaching is perhaps a heresy. And what is the Novus Ordo response? It is essentially, oh, he's just kidding. He didn't mean it. He's exaggerating. He's just trying to make a point. Don't you know? He's entirely orthodox. Wow. This is the Twilight Zone. Tradcast. At this point, I really don't know what else Bergoglio could do that would get any of these lemmings to wake up. What does he have to do? Does he have to burn down St. Peter's and build a voodoo temple on top of it? Oh, and even then, you know, Jimmy Aiken would still explain to you why it's not what you think it is. What else does he have to do? He's already said that there is no Catholic God. He's already said that uh, God is not one, right? He said the three persons exist, but God does not exist. This God spray, he called it. What does it take? If you consider yourself a Roman Catholic and you publicly acknowledge this man as the Pope of the Catholic Church, then I hate to break it to you, but you are part of the problem. Because, you see, the whole Novus Ordo charade can only work because there are still people who give credence to that organization's claim to being the Catholic Church, the church founded by Jesus Christ, last shepherded legitimately by the last known true pope, Pius XII. If people would finally stand up and publicly proclaim that this is a new religion, that this is a new church, that this is not the church of Pope Pius XII and his predecessors, founded by Jesus Christ our Lord, then the the entire force of the Novus Ordo establishment would be taken away. It would collapse. 
and it would collapse faster than Chris Ferreira can say diabolical disorientation. Diabolical disorientation. This is what is needed. The whole Novus Ordo establishment can only exist, can only do what it's doing because of people recognizing it as the Catholic Church. But it cannot be the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is preserved from all error and heresy. It is impossible for the Catholic Church to lead the faithful into error, into heresy, to damnation, into impiety. That is impossible. And in fact, on this point, we recommend to you a very powerful sermon that was just preached by Bishop Donald Sanborn, a real Catholic bishop, by the way, regarding membership in the church, faith, heresy, and all these issues surrounding the uh, magisterium and authority and set of accountism. We're going to link to it on the blog post about this show, Tradcast number 005. You will find the sermon there. It is excellent. And it is, it is a free sermon. It is brought to you by Restoration Radio. But it is a free sermon. You do not have to have a subscription. Please listen to it and notice how clear and how reasonable all these principles are that Bishop Sanborn outlines from Catholic teaching and how it is therefore absolutely impossible for the Novus Ordo establishment to be the Catholic Church. The true Catholic Church, that church of which Pius XII was the last known head, is currently in eclipse. There is no other way to put it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of mystery surrounding this, a lot of things we don't know. However, this mystery is part of the mystery of iniquity and the great apostasy and all those terrible things that are already foretold in Holy Scripture and that were explicated and commented upon by the church fathers and by the church's theologians. And here we recommend another one of our recent blog posts, which is essentially an excerpt of and commentary on Cardinal Manning's lecture in, I believe it was 1861, regarding the the Pope and the Antichrist, essentially, okay, and the terrible persecutions against the church that would come. So, none of these things that Cardinal Manning says there are based on his own opinion or whatever. These are not his personal thoughts, but this is all scriptural interpretation from the church fathers and the church's doctors and theologians over nearly two millennia. So, we will link that post as well, all right? Uh, I think it is called The Pope and the Antichrist, uh, The Great Apostasy Foretold. It is very important, very, very important that we understand these things, that this grave crisis that has afflicted the Catholic Church since, well, we can really trace the beginnings of it really all the way back to the the Reformation and even before to the breakdown of the Middle Ages, but uh, most recently and most acutely since the death of Pope Pius XII, the election of John XXIII, and the Second Vatican Council. We have to understand that these things are not somehow derailing the divine promises, but are actually consonant with them. This, This great apostasy has been foreknown and prophesied from the very beginning. So, just like 
our Lord's passion was, was not a derailing of the mission of Christ, but was actually the very purpose for which he came. It was not to establish soup kitchens or a recycling program, by the way, to all of you who follow Francis. In a very similar way, the, 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 this, this passion that the church is undergoing right now is not an accident that somehow God didn't foresee. It is rather part of the divine plan. And if this is mysterious, well, welcome to Catholicism. There is mystery in Catholicism. What you will not find in Catholicism, however, is contradiction. Mystery, yes. Contradiction, no. So if you're confused, if you're perplexed, if you're, if you're frightened, it's completely normal. We understand. We have a page for you that we would like you to click on if you haven't seen it yet. And that page is called Now What? How to Be a Real Catholic Today. And it will explain a lot of things about the state of the church today. And it will answer a lot of commonly asked questions. It'll give you plenty of resources. And in particular, it will also direct you to various true Catholic parishes where you can go and worship God and receive the sacraments. And it will also give you advice and resources on what to do if there is no such mass center or such parish in your area. Okay, so there is no need to despair. Rather, we must live through this terrible, terrible crisis with great love, with great humility, with great obedience to Almighty God, and carry our cross bravely and lovingly and with great patience. So, what will people in the Novus Ordo sect do now? Probably we're going to see three main reactions. The first one is ignore. Okay? Ignore the thing and hope Francis dies soon and uh, the whole chaos will finally come to an end. Okay? That's going to be one reaction, one main reaction. And no doubt Michael Voris uh, is in that camp as well as a host of other Novus Ordos who are essentially afraid to come out and denounce Francis for the obvious imposter that he is. The second main reaction that we're going to see is that more and more people are going to adopt the position we have labeled resignationism. It's the idea that Benedict XVI's resignation was invalid for whatever reason. There's already a few candidates for that. And that therefore Benedict XVI is still the true pope and therefore Francis cannot be. See, this position is extremely convenient because even though it may seem off the wall at first, it's for a lot of people not nearly as off the wall as Sedevacantism is, so they think. And uh, besides, you can still kind of, you know, maintain a sort of Catholic appearance to your coworkers and so forth if you tell them, well, look, I don't believe Francis is the Pope, but, but I think that the guy before him, he's the real pope. And, you know, I just, I just have this conviction that the resignation wasn't valid, and so I believe that's the real pope. That's a lot easier to market to your coworkers, for example, or to your friends or whoever, than to say, I don't think we've had a pope since 1958. Well, you know how it is. Popularity is rarely a criterion 
for truth. But anyway, I think that's why this position will uh, become a lot more popular. Of course, not that Ratzinger, Joseph Ratzinger, Benedict XVI, not that he was ever a valid pope, but of course, compared to Francis, he looks downright orthodox. And actually, that makes him extremely dangerous, much more dangerous than Francis, because Ratzinger is just as much of a modernist as Francis is, but Ratzinger has always tried to hide it somewhat. And he, you know, he, he looked pious, he, he seemed orthodox, and he was, he was very clever with how he injected his modernism into souls. And he was doing that from the very beginning. I mean, he was already suspect of heresy right after his ordination in the 1950s under Pope Pius XII. Francis is the one that just comes right out and says, oh, pff, this could be heresy. Who knows? Who cares? So Francis is not nearly as dangerous as Benedict XVI. But anyway, resignationism will still have the appearance of respectability in, in a lot of people's minds compared to Sedevacantism, which they all detest. And of course, the position of resignationism allows you the convenience of being able to reject Francis and finally be, be rid of all that stuff, and, and yet not having to embrace Sedevacantism and all the difficulties, and especially the, the inconveniences and you know maybe hardships that come with that, especially if you have a marriage annulment from the new church. Thirdly, the third main reaction that we're probably going to see is that a lot of apologists, a lot of semi-traditionalists, the people we've called semi-traditionalists, you know, those in the recognize and resist camp of the Novus Ordo Church, like Society of St. Pius X, and those people, they'll finally concede that Francis is a formal heretic, but they will insist that he remains a valid pope until an ecumenical council or an imperfect council or a group of cardinals or maybe just one cardinal declares that he's not the pope. And that is a heresy itself, okay? Because the pope has no superior on earth. You cannot have someone who validly holds the papal office be subjected, against his will especially, to, uh, say, an ecclesiastical trial or to, to, to an imperfect council or anything. That is impossible to say otherwise is heresy, okay? The pope has no judge on earth. If he is the pope, then there is no power on earth that can take the pontificate away from him against his will. He can resign it. He can tacitly resign it through, for example, becoming a heretic, but it cannot be taken away from him externally against his will. And to say otherwise is heresy. So the only way, it is true, of course, that in, in the legal realm, at some point there needs to be a declaration that Francis is not the Pope, but this can only be done because he's not the Pope and because this is manifest. Now, we're not going to get into all that now that we can leave that for another Tradcast, but it is important to understand that at least since the First Vatican Council and the dogmatic definitions about papal authority and papal infallibility, it is absolutely impossible, unacceptable, to hold the position that a pope, a 
valid reigning pope can be subjected to an ecclesiastical trial or can be liable to the, to the judgment of any of his inferiors. That is heresy. Before we conclude, we'd like to recommend you listen to the latest edition of France's Watch, uh, produced by our good friends over at Restoration Radio, the May 30th edition, Season 4, Episode 14, France's Watch, Glue, Pilots, and Unity. It's an excellent show, and what we just talked about is also mentioned in that show and lots more. So head on over to restorationradionetwork.org and listen to France's Watch, Season 4, Episode 14, published on May 30th, 2015. And I think we've covered just about all we wanted to cover here. What is there left to say? Those who desperately want Francis to be the Pope, whether they actually submit to him or not, they will find an excuse for why even his own admission that he might be teaching heresy still isn't good enough. Well, there are none so blind as those who refuse to see. Until next time, please spread the word about Trapcast and Novus Ordo Watch, and God bless you. Radcast.